Dear listeners at home, you're welcome to the chapter verses and episode come uh, podcast. Once again, your host is Tola Johnson. I am happy and uh, encouraged by your listening to my podcast. I pray and by the help of God, I will not disappoint you, my listeners. Today we have a very good topic. Uh, that we're going to, I'm going to read to you, is an is a scripture by me, and um, the title of the podcast is "Intrigues and Deceits in the Corridors of Power." Intrigues and deceits in the corridors of power. Well, before we go on, I want to uh, allow us to listen to this song, "Magnificent God" by Ada. there talking about magnificent God. Now let's go to the business we have today. If there is nothing we learn from Daniel's story, it's how treacherous and the corridors of power can be. It's a cloak and dagger world and full of long shadows. In that world, to be brilliant or exceptionally sound can be severely punished. But let the story Let's, let's listen to this story and have listening. Daniel was a gifted administrator with exceptional capabilities, a member of the elite as a Babylonian captive and immigrant. He ended up serving two dynasties and three kings. Babylon witnessed political instability over a short period of time. King Nebuchadnezzar had conquered the southern kingdom of Israel. Judah and Israel, southern kingdom of Israel, Judah, and abducted the intelligentsia, transplanting them into his kingdom. After his death, his son, Belshazzar, succeeded him. But Darius the Mende conquered Babylon and overthrew him. Darius made Daniel a third vice president of the kingdom and soon elevated him to next in command. He was simply brilliant. And exceptional. Darius recognized his kingdom, reorganized his kingdom. He appointed 120 governors to administer all the parts of his realm. Over them were three vice presidents, of whom was Daniel. The governors reported to the vice president, who made sure that everything was in order for the king. But Daniel, brimming with excellent spirit and intelligence, he completely outclassed the other vice presidents and governors, and the king decided to put him in charge of the whole kingdom. This is explained in Daniel chapter 6, verse 1 to 3. So we do know Daniel was a kind of all-rounder personality. He actually is actually a type of the order of Melchizedek, the operative spiritual order to which all Christians belong. 
He excelled in both the spiritual and the secular spheres. Happy listening. Going back to our story, that elevation soon proved too much for his political opponents in the in government. Envy has started a network within the government, and this became very scary. This radical uni- this radically unites rivals. To nail Daniel, they searched for skeleton in his cupboard. Some sex scandals, financial impropriety, fiscal negligence, political misconduct, they found none. The Babylonian EFCC, if I could use such words, could find nothing against him either. Not one kickback. Neither did the Babylonian state DSS. He was loyal to King Darius. Soon, his enemies concluded the only way to nail Daniel was to become inventive, formulative, a special statue with him as target. Nothing existing could catch him. They narrow down to religion. That is to tell you that there is no way, no matter how good or how prayerful you are, people will look for ways of bringing you down. Daniel was very religious. He was a staunch Judaist who prayed three times a day religiously. He never forgot God despite all that elevation. He therefore makes nonsense of the excuse tendered by those who became too busy to go to church once in government. The political class in Babylon came up with the idea of a bizarre executive order. What if King Darius were to act as God for 30 days? They proposed to vest absolute power in the office of the king for 30 days. A very crazy idea. Very, very crazy indeed. That means to, this is just to tell us as Christians that your, your friends, your enemies, even in the corridors of power, either Christians or non-Christians can go to any lengths to make sure they destabilize and they derail you. But you have to say no. That means you must be on top of every situation. Now, everyone has to pray to him that is Darius that time frame. Not even crazy Nebuchadnezzar could come up with such a preposterous decree. The best he did was ask everyone to bow down to a golden idol. The vice president and governors conspired against, conspired together and then went to King Darius and said, King Darius, live forever. We've convened your vice president governors and all your leading officials, and have agreed that the king should issue the 
the following decree. For the next 30 days, no one should pray to any other god or mortal god except you, O king. Anyone who disobeys will be thrown into the lion's den. As found in Daniel chapter 6, verse 6 to 7. As a leader, you have to be careful about the agenda of those around you. A leader has to be careful about psychopaths, especially praise singers, who has no seat on the church choir. But the challenge for Daniel was your God or your political position. If he choose God over political office, he will lose his head. If he choose political office over God, definitely he will also lose. He has, definitely he has lost his head. It was a risky bargain. Happy listening. sufficient one is enough for me. Yes, going back to our story. Knowing Daniel, the outcome was more or less predictable. He prayed to God and not Darius. When Daniel learned that the decree has been signed and posted, he continued to pray just as he had always done. What about you? Can you and I do the same? His house has windows in the upstairs that open towards Jerusalem. Three times a day, he knelt there in prayers, thanking and praising God, as explained in Daniel chapter 6, verse 10. It wasn't until the decree caught up, caught Daniel, that the unsuspecting King Darius realized Daniel had been set up and the king had no power to override Medo-Persian law. Hmm. Even the king himself could not override his own law, his own decision. I hope you can now see how clever and dangerous some of our advisors are in the corridors of power. Wickedness exists there, and there's no way you can eradicate it. You can only be upright. So, yes, they purportedly granted him absolute power to act as God. Yet, he had no power to exercise prerogative of mercy. Their God equation was crooked. On his way to the lion's den, King Darius said to Daniel, Your God, to whom you are so loyal, is going to get you out of this. As explained in Daniel chapter 6 verse 16. Well, such a rescue would not be entirely novel if it happened. Remember how God had famously discharged Daniel's associates, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, out of a fiery furnace. But could he deliver Daniel from the jaws of the hungry lions? When Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were threatened by Nebuchadnezzar, they had said to him, We do not care 
if he threw us into the fire, the God we serve can rescue us from the roaring furnace. O king, but even if he doesn't, we still will not bow to your threat, O king. We will still will not serve your God, the gold statue you set up. As explained in Daniel chapter 3, verse 16 to 18. The legitimate question therefore arises, my listeners at home, what if God did not deliver Daniel? Happy listening. Yes, God is enough for you as he was enough for Daniel and he will always be enough for us. All he requires from us is your faith in him. Now let's go back to our story. Based on the response of Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego to Nebuchadnezzar's threat, it wouldn't have made any difference if God didn't deliver Daniel. They shared the same religious philosophy and belief. Not sure many Christians wouldn't have considered his death in such circumstances. Prove that he wasn't a real servant of God. He was probably in sin. That is the normal thing they say, ah, it's because he's a sinner. Some might opine. But the reality is, many high-provised servants of God died gruesome death. Many people of faith were actually eaten by lions, especially under Nero as explained in Isaiah. Isaiah himself, the 8th century prophet, was sown in two on the orders of King Manasseh. And yet, his name means Yahweh is salvation. Jerusalem in particular was noted for murder of prophets. As so, as so much so Jesus lamented, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, who murders the prophets and stones to death, those messengers who are sent to her by God. As explained in Matthew chapter 23, verse 37, he barely he, Jesus himself barely escaped stoning too, but they eventually nailed him to cross. Obviously, gruesome death is not an invalidation of calling or anointing, if at all it seems to be validation, as explained by Hebrews chapter 13 which talks about Christians who were tortured, refusing to turn from God in order to be set free. They, replaced, they placed their hope in a better life after resurrection. Some were jeered at and their backs were cut open with whips. Others were chained in prison. Some died by stoning. Some were sawed in half and others were killed with the sword. Some went about wearing skins of sheep and goats, destitute and oppressed and mistreated 
as explained in Hebrews chapter 11 verse 35 to 37. Happy listening. God, I put my hope and trust in you. The comfort for the Christian concerning death is found in Revelation chapter 14, verse 13. Dear listeners, as a reminder, King Darius' prayer did not go unanswered. Daniel was saved from the hungry jaws of the lion, but his enemies were not spared after replacing Daniel in the den. They paid dearly for their sin after being charged for conspiracy arising from murderous envy. Lastly, my dear listeners, as a leader in your own capacity, be mindful of whom and whom you relate with as your advisor, co-worker, and confidant. I want to say thank you for listening and I hope you enjoyed this podcast. This is an evidence of what is really happening around us in Nigeria, mm-hmm. in the corridors of power, and around the world mm-hmm. in the corridors of power. Mm-hmm. Thank you for listening. Mm-hmm.